Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. I'm Danny Brothers and I'm here, as usual, to look ahead to the Cobblers weekend game, if we get one. I'm joined this week to talk all things Carlisle United by Lee Rooney from the Brunton Bugle podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, really. Uh, just trying to fall out after a little uh, cold trip to the shops and yeah, dis- disappointing last weekend. Our game was called off and like you say there, just pray we can get this one on at least. Yeah, I thought you were going to say disappointing trip to the shops. Yeah, well, that was disappointing you know, as well, yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing's exciting about being a grown-up and going doing shopping, is there really? So, it's true, yeah. it's true. You've got to get, get a bag of Haribo to see you <laughs> yeah. through. That's what you've got to do. Um, obviously, this, this time of year as well is not kind to you in general, is it, as <laughs> Carlisle fans? You're just kind of used to it now in December. December yeah. hits, you're not playing. It, it, it's Well, to be fair, it hasn't been too bad in like recent years. It's been a, a couple of times in... If you go back a few years, yeah, it's been pretty bad. But it, it, it yeah, it, it's hit and miss, really. That's the thing. It's it, the problem we have is the, the Warwick Road end behind the goal, the, the one that's got the pointy shaped roof. Yeah, that because that the sun's behind that. That goal mouth just doesn't get any sort at all. So if that's frozen a day before, you think, yeah, there's not much chance of this game being on. So yeah, yeah. So last weekend, um, the Gates Barrow. You're saying before we started recording that had potential to be one of your biggest attendances of the season. I assume not from a Barra side of things, but from your I side think, of things. I think they'd sold 1,200 for the game. And uh, Are they really? They're yeah, I mean, no. people are trying to hype it up as a big derby. A lot of our fans are like, you know, they don't even consider themselves Cumbrians. They consider themselves part of Lancashire still. Yeah. So they're a bit funny about it. Yeah. You know, some of the local media trying to build up a little bit. We're not quite as excitable about it on our pod, but... Yeah, the frustrating thing is they'll probably send about seven of those tickets back for the re- rearranged game on Tuesday night. So, yeah. what can you do? Yeah. Is that one of those that Barrow fans building up more than more than you? It's a, it's I, don't, a I don't think so. I don't, no, I'm reluctant to say that because for them, their big rivalry has always been Morecambe. Uh-huh. And they've not really had much of a chance to play games against Morecambe with fans since they're coming to the league. Uh-huh. So, I think they're kind of hoping... If they don't go up this season, Morecambe come down and they can sort of renew rivalries there. Because at the end of the day, Barrow to Morecambe's a lot quicker than getting to Carlisle. Because although in the same county, it's a big county, and they're at the the backside end of it, so to speak, um, and we're at the top. So, and, and anyone who's driven along the coast road in, in Cumbria will know it, it. It's not fun to drive along. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let's hope we can get this game on on Saturday. Um, last time we met back in March, Paul Simpson just returned to the club, from what I remember. Uh, yeah. Fourth, third or fourth game in. You'd won every single game up until that point. Completely rejuvenated under him. No fear of relegation at all after that. Comfortably keeping you in the league. Uh, how good did that feel just to have him back within the club and to, to do another job for you initially? Before he came in, we had Keith Millen as manager. And the first yeah. game Keith had in charge was actually against you guys. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And we were god-awful that day. Like, you guys, <laughs> ba- you, you barely had to get out of second gear to beat us. It was so comfortable. I think Paul Lewis scored a hat-trick, I think. Yeah. I seem to remember. But, like, one yeah. of our goals, our centre-back barely got into a, a trot to try and, you know, chase back the player. So, at that point, we thought, we're dead in bear. At that point, we're like, this doesn't look good. There was a slight revival under Millen, but the quality of the football was appalling. Mm. And when he got to the point where he just had to be sacked because he was that bad, we, we had a game against Swindon where everyone's favourite pantomime villain in League Two, Harry McCurdy, obviously yeah. formerly played for us. And it's very clear that he hated his time with us, even though we pretty much rejuvenated his career. Um, he scored, he was involved in all three goals. He wound up our fans big time. The atmosphere was so toxic, he had to go. And there was a kind of feeling when he got sacked at the start of the week, that's good news, but who on earth is going to get us out of this mess? An hour later, Paul, Paul Simpson's announcer's coming back and suddenly like, okay, maybe we can do this. But there was still a, a feeling of like, mm, can we or not? Because the, the squad didn't seem that good. And Simo said, now looking back at it, he said like, he went in, he thought, I, I, what he did when he got told, look, I'm look, we're looking to get rid of Keith, do you want to come in? And he said, you've got to do that properly. Get rid of him first, yeah. sack him first, and then appoint me. I'm not having anything going on behind the manager's back, mm. which was, you know, he's a pretty good bloke in that sense. But yeah. he said what he did was he went on the on the Y Scout and watched some of our players and that. And he said, actually, yeah. they're not bad players. They yeah. just need a little bit of maybe basic work on setting what formation they're going to be, keeping it simple, working to their strengths. I and mean, you can get somewhere with this. And as a result, I think we won six out of the first seven games he was in charge. And the lift they gave to the fans, the lift around the club, the lift around the city, it, it it's incomprehensible, really. I don't think no other manager in the world, maybe not in the world, but no other realistic manager that we could get in would be able to do that. They just yeah. wouldn't. He gave everyone a lift and there was that panicky feeling of like, he's done so well, clubs from a higher level are probably going to come for him. It's going to be difficult to keep hold of him. But he's at an age now where... He's what? I think he's 56, 57. Maybe 56, mm-hmm. I use, yeah. Um, and he's had, obviously, his cancer scare a couple of years ago. That I think he's in the mind of thought of, I'm well-liked here. I've got a chance to do something really special. I can really build something. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. And he got a three-year deal in the summer. And that, that straight away told us, right, they're, they're actually serious about this for once. Yeah. They might actually be serious about building something here. And like I said, the job he's done, you can't even begin to, to say how good it is. Yeah. So sign, yeah, you say sign that three-year deal yeah. um, in the summer. It must have just given you such, because it was right before the summer as well, wasn't it? So it's not like it's midsummer and you didn't know what was going on. It's right at the start. You, like you say, it's a, it's a signal to, to the club that he's the man to take you forward and he's going to look after the summer transfer dealings, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Just like, what what was that like when, when you just heard that news? Because you you must have been thinking that's the best option, right? There's no, for you, probably no better option out there at that point in time. 
no, because there just isn't a better option. There can't be for us as a club. Yeah. Realistically, with what budget we've got and, and the length he's got, you know, he's a Carlisle lad. He had incredible sex, success first time round. He's gone away and he's, he's he's learned so many different things about himself as a coach. You know, he's worked in the England youth setup and won a youth World Cup with them. He's he's done coaching in Portugal. He's he's been assistant coach in the Premier League. Yeah, he's done all kinds and. There's no other club he would have come to at this level to do that job, the, the caretaker job he did. And I think it was announced, I can't remember if it was a couple of weeks before the end of the season that he got his three-year deal. But it, it made everyone positive about the summer. And it, it's interesting because there was a feeling, I think, if you'd gone back under Millen, that there's going to have to be a big clear-out in the summer mm-hmm. when he was in charge. We need to have a big clear-out start again. Summer wasn't that keen on that because, like you said, he looked and thought, actually, there's some good players in this squad. Yeah, it does need quite a few players to come in to be about, you know, the ones you'll naturally want to leave or, you know, just move on. But actually, I can work with this. And and yeah, he, he, he straight away, it's not just it's not just the whole football side of it. It's the community side as well. He gets that. He gets that the players need to be a part of the community. He gets that you need to have good characters in there and people who want to be at the club. You know, he's it, it, very clear if a player doesn't want to be there, fine. Well, you know, once we get a good faith, then we'll get rid and. Yeah, straight away, you could see when he started doing sort of summer transfer business, some of the plays he brought in. Yeah, he's he's really put some thoughts into this. And actually, I should say the first, the other good thing he, he did was previously before Simpson came in, we had David Holsworth. I'm glad I can say this on here because on our on our podcast we bleep out the word David Holsworth <laughs> with a clown car noise now. Oh, we, we how, can do that if you want us as well. That's how well liked he is. Um, <laughs> He was director of football. It's a long story, but basically he had links to the guy we owe £2.4 million to. So he was yep. there essentially to keep an eye on the money, even though he yep. was that effectively director of football. But he was doing things like deciding what the new kits were going to be and stuff like that. Hence why yep. we've got a navy blue kit this season instead of yep. an actual Carlisle blue kit seat. So yeah, he he was despised. He was one of the reasons why it was so toxic. Simo denies that he said he wanted him out. But I get the feeling that Simo wanted more control over the transfers and stuff and wanted to be able to decide what he wanted to do himself. So yeah. Holdsworth went at the same time as Millen, which I think probably people fans were even more excited about than Millen going. And what Simo did in the summer was he wanted someone to come in and help him with the transfers and be the chief scout, head of recruitment, whatever you want to call it. And he brought in Greg Abbott, who used to be our manager about 10 yeah. years ago, for about five years. Mm. And Greg did a great job keeping us in League One on a fairly small budget. Mm. And one thing Greg always had a real knack for was spotting a player. Mm. He really couldn't. I mean, some of the loans he got, we had James Chester on loan. Obviously, he's gone on to have a great career in the Premier League. We had Tom Lawrence, who's done really good at Derby. No, in fact, no, he was after Abbott, to be fair. Um, you know, Ben Marshall had a really decent career. Loads of really good footballers have come to us on loan, and Ian Hart's another one. Mm. So bringing him in was a big positive as well, and you could see he was starting to really build something. Mm. Is, it, is that someone he knew from before as well? From- no, he, he basically said, look, we're going to look to a point ahead of recruitment. I've got a few people in mind who potentially could do it, but I need mm. to speak to them. Now, Greg was already doing a very similar job at Solihull Moors in the uh, National League. And wow. as you've probably seen, Solihull have done an incredible job in recent years, you know, yeah. keeping themselves up near the top of the National League when there's lots of clubs with very big budgets ahead of them there. So I think he realised Greg is the kind of person who kn- he knows he, he, he basically he's got a very good contacts list. He's a he's a bit of a raconteur. He likes a good chat. You know, he, he gets on well with people. He gets stories out of people. And he said, like, 
sending him to grounds and things like that. He doesn't just watch the player. He finds out about the player's character and yeah. things like that. And that's a big bonus. And he thought, he's someone who, who loves the club as well. I'm sure he'd be happy to come back. And he was spot on. And Greg said, soon as Simo contacted me, I just had to speak to Solihull and tell him, look, this is too good of an opportunity to turn down. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, the recruitment over the summer was fantastic. It, for, like, for what we were able to do with the budget we got was was brilliant. Yeah. Only six in um, transfers. A bit, bit of little bit of a clear out going the other way, but six in on permanent deals. Um, you've got five in on loan as well. Um, what kind of you seen in them characters? You've seen Simpson traits in, in most of them because we'll talk about him later, Ryan Edmondson. You, from what we see, we didn't see the best of him in League One, but we saw a hard work and a grafter in someone who's going to really work for you. Is, is that the kind of profile that most of these players are that you brought him? Yeah, he, he, he was quite smart with the way he did it. Um, I mean, the obvious one, if you want to talk about someone who's a big player coming in who's made a big difference is Paul Huntington. Now, Paul Huntington is actually also a local lad. He's from uh, he's from Carlisle, basically, but he's never played for us before. He started out in Newcastle's academy, and you've mm. probably seen him in, in the Premier League. and Not the Premier League. Well, he played briefly in the Premier League for Newcastle, but he was at Leeds and at Preston, Leeds, yeah. he was at Preston for about a decade. He was their club captain. Didn't play much last season because he was out of favour, but he was still club captain. and um, I think he made over 350 appearances for them. And we were yeah. quite lucky to get him there because I think he was holding out for a League One club. He said, look, you know, I don't mind the idea of coming back, but not in League Two. He didn't get that deal. And in the end, I think they ground him down and convinced him to come. And he's been like, if you play on Saturday, you'll see he wins pretty much everything in the air. He's mm. very streetwise. He gives you little nudges on plays, but he leads. He's not captain, but he leads on the pitch and you can really see yeah. that. That's a perfect example of the characters he's brought in. Um, obviously, top at Edmondson later on, but... Um, Owen Moxon's a really interesting one, though. So Owen Moxon, again, he's another Carlisle lad. Mm-hmm. Owen Moxon started out in our academy. We let him go at 16. He went to Queen of the South, spent about four years there, I think it was. Um, did okay, had a loan at Gretna 2008, and then he went to Annan. He's done his four years at Annan, and last year at Annan Athletic, he was in the Scottish League 2 team of the season. I think he came third in the in the, or second in the um, Play of the Year award. He got Annan into the playoffs. He was unbelievable. Signed him on a free, and the feeling amongst the fans was, oh, that's a really good exciting sign, someone different, but it's going to take him a bit of a while to bed in. Well, if you go to whoscore.com and look at the stats, he's the second best player in the league two this season, according really. to the stats. Yeah. He's been fun, like, he's tucked to it like the duck to water to the point where we're a little bit worried that in typical Carlisle fashion, we might end up selling him in January because there's a lot of rumors of Swansea City circling with a three quarters of a million pound bid, which would be hard for us to turn down for a player like that, but. I really do hope he stays. He's been a, a brilliant character to come in. Um, I'm just trying to get the list up of all the transfers that we brought in. See, um, Moxon midfielder, like central. Yes, he's a mid- central midfielder, plays alongside Callum yeah. Guy, who's been here for quite a few years now, and mm-hmm. Jordan Gibson's alongside him. That's generally the three we play, but it's sort of mixed up a little bit over the season. Um, yeah, Thomas Holy in goal. He's he's a really big character. He's, I mean, in the literal sense, he's six foot nine tall. Um, <laughs> he's the tallest player in the league alongside that lad who's at Wimbledon, uh, Hudlin, I think it is. Um, yeah. It's Holy, Holy's at Ipswich, right? He was at Ipswich, yeah. yeah. He, he was yeah, at Gillingham yeah. before that. Yeah. Again, really good character. Like, I, I, we interviewed him for our podcast, big booming uh, Czech Eastern European accent on him and, you know, really happy, <laughs> excitable. Made a major cock up in our FA Cup game the other week. It, you've probably seen it already. It's a long ball forward in it. Sort of, he tried to control his hip and it went through and the player scored. But he's been a real big plus because he comes and claims everything on crosses. You know, teams can't really 
sort of just send loads of balls into the box against him because he generally let you've got to get the ball spot on you've you're almost got to play it low rather than high because otherwise he just comes yeah. and get it he's been a big positive um, he was um and mark howard left in the summer right as well he's he play of the year i think yeah he was play of the year it's an interesting one because like i said he had a great season and like bear in mind he didn't come into october i think it was just around about when we played you we mm. signed him and yeah, he came in and was fantastic, but Simo just wanted something a bit more. And I'm sure you probably remember, Mark Howard's only about six foot tall. He's only six foot, six foot one. Yeah. So you're going almost a whole foot taller in signing Howley. And I think that was a sort of feeling there that that was the way he wanted to go. That that was probably the only mm-hmm. controversial decision that Simo made in the yeah. summer. That's, that's, a, that's a Simpson decision, though, not a, not a yeah, transfer. No, I just assumed that was Wrexham coming in and no, offering we, more we, money or something. But no. No, we, 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 we just let him go, basically. This didn't feel he was what he wanted to use. Um, I'm just freaking through here. Um, the, the loans are quite interesting because quite a few of them haven't really played that much. Um, Sonny Hilton from Fulham was one where we quite hope big things saw, but he's had a few injuries. Ben Barkley saying started brilliantly from Stockwell. We were baffled as to why Stockwell let him go because he was that good. But he's come back from injury and then he's in a reserve game. He's, done, he's over ankle now from a bad tackle. So that's frustrating. Um, Finn Back's the one that stands out, though, in terms of the loans, because he's coming from Nottingham Forest on loan for the season. You've probably heard of his dad, Neil Back, the Rugby Union World Cup winner from 2003. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's following us now. He's tweeting about us all the time, which is nice. <laughs> um, but Finn's been fantastic. He's only 19, but he gets up and down the pitch so much, and he's he's really got the fans on side. Unfortunately, he's now out until March because he's torn his hamstring. You know, I win at Salford the other week, so that's frustrating. But we've got a young lad from the youth team who came up from the youth team last season who's done really well in that position as well, so we're fairly well covered. But Finn Back, definitely of the loan signings, is the one that had done so well. The rest of them have sort of been sort of waiting. We just sent Duncan Iden back to Bristol City because he just wasn't getting game time and it was just wasn't really fair on keeping him any longer. But mm-hmm. but yeah, recruitment wise, like you say, we've not brought that many. And Jaden Harris is the other one, but he's sort of been he's like a project, he's on a three year deal, so I think there's a feeling of we can develop him to a really good player, but we're not quite sure what that player mm. is at the moment. So we're still working on that. Yeah. And it was a decent start to the season. We had a good pre-season, to be fair, as well. Mm-hmm. Not that that always tells the right story, <laughs> yeah. but it shows you're on the right path. You're, you're starting well again. Um, but the start of the season, what did you almost expect it after the end of how last season ended? Not, not maybe as good as, we, as it went, because there was a kind of feeling of, all, all the preseason predictions for magazines had us finishing one place higher than we did this last season. So instead of yeah. 19th, it would have been 18th. And as much as we thought we'd do better than that, we always we all thought, mm, I don't think we're that bad. I think we can finish about 12th, 13th, mid-table. And that would be a good first start because Simmer's got a big rebuilding job here to, you know, to get us higher up the table. I don't mm. think any of us really expected us to get to this point and have only lost three games, of which the three defeats have come against two of the top three in Orient and Stevenage. And the other one was Stockport County where we had a few players out injured and they're really starting to push up the table now. So it was round about the middle of when they started their runs to kick on up the table that we realised, you know, yeah, we're in a bit of trouble here. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't think I don't think there was a feeling of like carrying on that form because there was quite a few new players in and it was a little bit of a change, but there was that little bit of momentum there, I suppose, you're right. And it's just the way we we approach those the games now. Last season, a lot of those the games where we've drawn or we've nicked wins, we'd have lost 
because we didn't have the heart in the first half of the season, but we've got that under Simpson and that's a big difference. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, it's a good question. It really is. Cause I, I, I'd never really thought of it that way of momentum from last season. I always think it's got sort of like a clean slate almost, but, but yeah, maybe the, the positive vibes, I suppose, have helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A fair few draws in there. Is that, mm-hmm. is that something different as well? Just, nicking draws where otherwise you would have lost as well because there's um, a decent amount of draws in there but you did only lose one in your first 13 games like you said to Stevenage um, is that something you notice a little bit different you managing to grind out results as well when you're not quite on your game uh, a little bit but actually some of those draws are sort of ones where we're just not quite getting over the line in beating teams there's been a few nil nils in there that are like what are you doing and then there's been two free frees against Harrogate and Rochdale teams down there the bottom where we just haven't turned up for much of the game. But like you said, that's games where we have just grounded out and just got a point in whatever way we have to. I mean, we've got a 93 minute equaliser against against Harrogate and we did not deserve to get anything from that game. Harrogate were brilliant. We were awful and we, we just snatched a result. But on top of that, we've had the nil-nil draw against Crew, the nil-nil draw against uh, Stevenage, not Stevenage, um, Walsall. There's another nil-nil draw in there that I can't remember it was against, but Got Mansfield yeah, in there as well, yeah. Mansfield, that's the one, yeah. Mansfield's the one where we should have won. We, we were the better side that night and we I think we hit the post twice and mi- missed a couple of sitters. And yeah, there's a kind of feeling of if we miss out this season, it'll be those draws that have cost us basically the fact that we've drawn nearly half of our games. Whereas we look at Barrow at one point ahead of us and they've lost nearly three times as many games, eight games they've lost mm. to our three. So it's kind of feeling like could we have maybe lost one of those games we've drawn, but won the other two or something and yeah. reduce the number of draws to six and be a bit, bit higher, but yeah. it's just the way it goes. But it does feel like you're you're the one team in there when you look around, you think Barrow, how, are they going to stay around? It's probably unfair to say that at this point in the season after 20 games, but you always think they've got something in them where they lose heavily one week and you just think they're gone, but they, they pop back up again. Mansfield have been in and out. Bradford have lost form. Swindon have, like their fans seem completely all over the place with what they're doing. You seem to be the ones that are, if you get a draw or a couple of bad results in a row, you, you're able to bounce back and your fan base is understanding of a couple of results that go, don't go your way. But there's positivity there and that you think you're there for the long haul in terms of... And, and actually, when you look, when I look down at the teams below us, you're probably the ones that I think I'm probably most worried about at the minute. And do you, do you kind of get that sense that it is... Are you ready to kind of accept the season as a promotion challenge now? Or are you still in that mode of 12th, 11th will do if we drop off a little bit? Is where you kind of I about that. think if we just missed out on the playoffs, I don't think people would be as angry now. Maybe I think mm. I think it would be disappointing because we've got ourselves into a really good position. And actually, the way we've looked at it, looking at the team in this division this season, I've not been that in, Orient. Orient yeah. weren't that great, but they were so well drilled and they they really knew what to do and they did a bit of a number on us. Stevenage, we didn't turn up and again, a well-drilled Steve Evans side. What, what do you expect? Stockport probably the side that impressed me the most, actually. They, they were really good in, in, the, in the game against them. So it, it's a hard one to judge because one of our biggest problems this season as well has been the fact that we've had, we've had about 10 players out injured for pretty much the whole season. Now, there's been players going in and out of that and there's, there's about five or six consistent long-term players who've been out for most of it. But the, I mean, we've got three players who've been out with ACL injuries for this season. One of them's just coming back now from the ACL he picked up in, in February. The other two are out for the season. And there's a few, there's one, one of our young goalkeepers has um, dislocated his shoulder. Amari Patrick's been struggling with a hamstring injury. Like we've mentioned before, Finn Back's out for a long term now. And 
it, it it's kind of feeling if we could get three or four more of those players back fit and we didn't have we only had maybe four or five players that are injured. We've got a squad, and when you listen to like the D three, D four podcasts and people like that, they all say Carlos' squad actually looks really good once they've got <laughs> some mm. of those players back. Especially Patrick, you know, gives us a really strong pacey option off the bench at the very least if he's not starting. If we, yeah, so- if, we if we can get into that position, I think we really do have a good chance to kick on the season. And also, we probably do need to maybe bring one or two players in in this in January. I think Simpson is targeting a sort of left sided attacking player because, like I said, Patrick struggles a little bit for fitness at the moment. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think the fans will be understanding if we did just miss out, but it will get to a point soon where fans will be like, we're in this position, we, we need to hold on to it because this is a really good opportunity. Yeah. yeah, you sometimes get seasons like that where you don't expect it, but then you look around the league, like you said, and you, mm. you don't see anything massively special elsewhere and you think this is a chance. Whereas other seasons you've had two or three teams running away with stuff and you just think, yeah. you know, it's not going to be our season. You can you can see that even teams that are fourth or fifth in the playoffs, you think they're too strong for you and stuff. But this season you just think, why well, you've got a chance. It's, it, I think you, sh- you should be in with a, with a shot from what I've seen as well. We're almost halfway there. I don't. I haven't seen a lot to worry. What to, can probably concern you? So it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see what happens. And you mentioned January there. Simpson saying two areas that he wants to strengthen. Mm. What would you say that is? You mentioned the left side. A couple of fans saying in your forums the centre centre back as well. More ex- another experienced head back there. Maybe the problem is another experienced head back there. How, where they're going to play? That that's my thought when fans say that. It's like well, at the moment. You're back. We play back free, basically, mm-hmm. generally. And in there, Paul Huntington is just your central and your back free, and he plays every game. John Mellish is your left sided. He's been fantastic moving back into defence again now. But he basically, been, he, he, you'll notice him, he just gets all over the pitch. He's up and down everywhere. And he, he, he runs around like a madman. He's got so much energy. He's a, a basically a guaranteed pick. That's the reason we sent Duck and Iden back. So basically, all you're really fighting for is the right side, which is. Morgan Feeney is the club captain. He's had a few injuries, but he generally fills that role. He's coming back to fitness. Ben Barkley's been out a little bit, obviously, with his injuries, but Corey Whelan's slotted in brilliantly when he's had to there. So defensively, the centre-back, probably not. I think the left side's the problem because Jack Armour's playing as our left wing-back and he's had a great season. It's it's hard for us to forget sometimes. It was easy for us to forget, sorry, sometimes that Armour's only 21. And he's played nearly 100 games for us now. We signed him from Preston a few years ago, and he's been—he's really lifted his game this this season. He, Bre- Brennan Dickinson. I, did Brennan Dickinson have a spell with you? I seem to remember. Yeah, I, I think he's on loan. Yeah, yeah. He—he's out. He's one of the players out of an ACL injury for this season. Right. Um, he was probably earmarked to be that left wing back, but Armour's had the, the free reign of it, and it, even though he's not really had anyone putting pressure on him, he's really upped his game. He's been brilliant. I think we probably could do with someone to potentially give him a rest because I think he's missed one minute of the season so far. So really, he's going to get to a point where he'll get tired at some point. We haven't really got any cover there. So that's probably one area I would look at. And then, I don't know. It's a tough one because we're we're quite well stocked generally. So it would be someone coming in as cover. So is an experienced player going to settle for being cover? Probably not. Unless it's bringing someone in who's extraordinarily good, who's going to take the place of someone else. It, it, it's a hard in previous seasons I could have I could have named you four or five positions where we desperately need players to come in this summer it feels like we're being a bit greedy and it's almost like you know what we're actually very well stocked when we've got players fit the mm. problem is getting players fit of course but, but there yeah. you go 
Yeah, well, that's a good sign, isn't it? If, you, if you're going into January like that and you look set, that's that's decent. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of activity, I think, again, uh, around the league. Um, off the pitch, own, uh, ownership and debts. You meant you briefly touched on the debts earlier with um, yeah. with Holdsworth uh, being part of that. £2.4 million to you owe to pure pay retail. Um, yeah. Owners are saying that resolving that situation is crucial to attracting the new investment in you. Well, where what's this? Where are we with that at the minute? Um, nothing's changed. <laughs> it's it, 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 it's a long story how this happened, but basically the club was at a point where it could have easily folded or gone bust and needed money quickly. And our owner Andrew Jenkins usually would put that money in. He's about eighty four, eighty five now, something like that. I can't remember. He's in his eighties. He's not getting any younger and he can't could just keep, you know, throwing money into it every now and then and writing it off after a bit. Cause he's, I think understandably his kids probably want the inheritance from his family business. They don't want to, yeah. to lose all the money from that. So they went to Phil, Philip Day, who was owner of e, uh, Edinburgh Woolmill. Um, he lent the money to the club. And there's some, I think they are the guarantors, the three directors, owners of the club are basically guarantors of that loan. Uh, there's also, I think there is a charge on Brunton Park. I can't remember the deal. So I don't want to go into too much in case I get it wrong. But um, yeah, basically that debt was owed to them. And as you know, Edinburgh Woolamill went bust during the pandemic. Uh-huh. Pure Pay bought out a lot of the stuff to do with Edinburgh Woolamill and essentially bought out the debt as well. They basically took that on. It's hard to tell, but I'm sure he could have written it off at that point somehow. But he chose not to because he kind of wanted to have a bit of control over it because he wanted to take over the club. But I think the EFL wouldn't let him because of something to do with you have to prove that you have the funds to run the club over a certain number of years. And because it's a new business, he couldn't really do that. So they had to show they had the money. And he was, yeah, he just wasn't didn't want to play with it. And that's why he got to the point with the club because he had Holdsworth in there running everything. And the fans hated him and he was basically just becoming a farce. The club just thought we just have to do something here, or else we're going to go out the league. He doesn't seem to realise this is serious. They got rid of Holdsworth. I don't think he took away well to that. The club wants to put in a payment plan to, to Pure Pay to say, look, this is how we're going to pay the debt back. Whether it's like, I don't know, paying 300 grand a year over the next eight years, something like that. And then if we can pay more each year, if we have some circles from transfers, we'll give you more money. But they just don't want to listen. They won't answer. No matter how many times they try to contact them. It's just impossible and it just leaves us in a real difficult situation where, well, we can't really get an investment in because who the hell wants to take on a club with a 2.4 million debt that yeah. the current owners are guarantors for and they, they won't even speak to them. Yeah. This is pure it, pay it's just a bit not of a shambles to, in that sense. Yeah. It's pure pay no, just not talking talk to, to the, the club. club. So no. Even though there's, there's a representative from pure pay on the club board who doesn't seem to go to any meetings or anything. It's, the fans... It's just so frustrating for them. It, it really is. But yeah. the, the club are very lucky that they've got someone like Simpson and things are going so well on the pitch. It's kind of like a little side distraction now. It's not the, the mm. big issue almost. Yeah, We're also in a position where this potentially could be resolved next summer, this summer coming up, because Dean Henderson was on our books till he was 13, 14, I think he was. Yeah. And he was one of the last players to go in a, from a youth setup at any club under the old transfer rules instead of the, you know, the um, EPPP, EPPP yeah. where you basically just get a standard rate from now for what you get. There's another yeah. lad at Man City, a goalkeeper called James Trafford, who's on loan at Bolton, who came from our academy as well. He left on EPPP, so we get next to nothing from... We get like a standard rate when he makes appearances for City, but not much uh-huh. at all. 
Henderson, we got a really good deal. We get something like 10 grand every time he plays with Man United, things like that. It's it's incredible. <laughs> He's probably not going to get the chance of Man United now, is he? But we've got a sell-on clause in there. Yeah. So we're kind of yes. like, okay, so he has a really moment. good season. Yeah. I'm hoping he has a really good season at Forest. And you do think, you know, England international, young, fairly young keeper, what, 25, 26 still? Yeah. Every chance he's going to go for, let's say, 30 million. If he goes for 30 million and we've got a 10% sell on in there, it might even be up to 20%. No one seems to know. Yeah. That's 3 million pounds. Bang. Yeah, Philip Day, have, you, have your money and yeah. sod off, basically, yeah. what the attitude <laughs> is going to be. But it's a dangerous game to play that, basically, because you never know. Henderson could break his leg and, you know, never play again. That, that's mm. the risk. And if that happens, then you move on to the other one, which is Jared Bradford. He's Everton on loan at PSV. If yeah. he gets a big move, we get a sell-on from him as well. But it, it, it's a, like I said, it's a dangerous game waiting on sell-ons to, to basically get you out of trouble. At yeah. the moment, the club's doing well. The attendances are above what we expected for this season. So as a result, mm. we're actually more than breaking even, which is good because it means we're not going to make another loss and incur more debt or whatever. Mm. So we're, we're in a decent place. We've got a bit of cash reserve as well. So as a club, we're in an okay place, but there's always that risk bubbling in the background. Mm. Yeah, nice. Um, coming back very, very quickly to on the pitch before we do predictions, a um, couple of players I wanted to talk about. Christian Dennis, uh, to start with, 12 goals yeah. this season. Only scored two in 17 last season. What what's gone on this? Is it just the Simpson factor that he's just come good? Well, interestingly, this evening I've just put out an interview on our podcast feed with Christian that I did about a couple of months ago. Mm. It's taken me a while to sort it out, but um, I chatted to him at the start of October, and he came in on deadline day under Keith Millen back in um, back in January. Um, and when he was signed, he was signed from St. Mirren and, and Millen had said at the time, oh, he's not match fit and he's going to take a while to get him up to speed or something. I mentioned that to him in the interview room and he's like, that's nonsense. <laughs> Seriously, he's like, yeah, he's talking rubbish. I don't know what he's talking about there. He wasn't very complimentary about Millen, let's just say. Very complimentary <laughs> about Simpson and working under him. He, he loves working under him, but he said Millen mm. didn't really have anything good to say about him. So he came in and he sort of flitted in and out of the team. I, th- I think he did. The problem was because, because Millen didn't really play him at the start, his match fitness did drop off as a result, yeah. which meant Simpson had to sort of work him into the team slowly and bring him out and in just to keep his fitness up. And he was a useful player last season. He, he scored a few goals, but this season, having had a preseason on Simpson, he said he's not felt as fit as this for years, basically. Mm. He said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be at the back on the runs. That's fine. I'm not a, a pacey player, but my fitness levels, I feel like I can last games a lot more and I can use my energy better and, and we're just playing decent football and we're actually creating chances for him. Moxon's made a big difference in that sense. Gibson's having a great season in terms of setting players up. I think them two are like right up at the top, just behind Ben Whitfield from Barrow on the assist charts for the League Two. And and yeah, he, he's got a great attitude as well. That's the thing. As much as he isn't the quickest player in the world, over a couple of yards, he's very quick. He knows to make those little runs and get into good positions to get the tap-ins mm. and things like that. He's a clever player. He scored against Grimsby. He was on loan out a few years ago. He enjoyed that. Um, <sighs> where he basically nip, nipped in on a back pass, rounded the keeper and put it into the net. Mm. You know, Clever little things like that. And actually, it's not just his goals. His, his link-up play is really good. He holds the ball up. He, he, he's pretty good at that. So when he's not scoring, he's still contributing, which makes a big difference. But yeah, he's having a great season and he's a big part of why we're up there and there's kind of a hope that this could be our first 20 goal a season striker for since 
Carl Hawley, funny enough, I think they had a spell with you as yeah, well. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, very short. Yeah. yeah, so he got 26 for us, I think, in 2006. So we're kind of hoping he... I'm not sure he'll get to those heights, but I'm hoping he'll get somewhere close to the 20 mark with any luck. Yeah, definitely you think get 26 for us, Carl Hawley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even think it was six um, for what I remember. Uh, two, I'm just looking it up, two in 11 games. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, similar situation with Ryan Edmonton. Um, on yeah. loan with us um, in League One, two goals in twenty-one games. I always saw like something in him in in that, but I just think it was wrong place, wrong time for him at that point. Uh, went to Fleetwood, did a very similar job, didn't score any goals in eleven. Went to Port Vale, three and nineteen. Come to you, he seems to have, he seems to have found his place a little bit now. Is that mainly down to just being signed permanently? Do you think and just finding his feet again? I think so, yeah. It's an interesting one with him because, like you said, I think the other clubs he's been at, yourselves, I think Aberdeen as well, he went up there. I think there's big expectations when he went on there and then it just mm. did not work out at all. Even though he only scored three in 19, I had a look when we signed him or we were rumoured to be signing him on the Port Vale forums and they were all like, oh, gutted. I thought, you know, we're a league one side, surely we could have signed him because they were really impressed with him, his work rate and the work he did away from, you know, it wasn't so much his goals that was vital for him. He was a really good foil apparently. Mm. So we're like, okay. And I, I'd heard of him years ago. So I've got a mate from uni, he's a Leeds fan. He said, you know, he's a really good up and coming young prospect. He needs a good loan spell. And there was some talk that we might sign him. And then Leeds signed Liam McCarran from us a few years back, but never, never occurred, never happened. Um, I think Simpson is a big factor in this because Edmondson has been in the England youth setups and he was in one of the youth squads that Simpson had. Right. And that's the reason he's dropped to League Two rather than he had offers from League One with better money, but he said I really wanted to work with with Paul again. I really wanted to, you know, because I knew he was. I really enjoyed working from the England setup, and I felt this was a move that would be good for my career. A move where I'd probably be starting most week, you know, so you know, at least featuring most weeks. Whereas if you went to a League One club, you might have to have a spell sitting on the bench again and things like that. And he didn't really want that, so it's been a bit stop start for him. He picked up an injury a couple of games in, and then when he came back. He managed to get himself sent off against Orient, having given us uh, equalised for us in that game, which um, he deserved to be sent off, but it was the ref was appalling that day. But I, I'm really impressed him because he, he's a, he is a, he's a you'll know he's a big lad. He's what six foot two, mm. maybe six three, but he's quite quick. He's surprisingly yeah, he like is, a yeah. rangy runner. Like when we beat Hartlepool back in October, Simpson brought him on, put him on the right wing, and said, "Just go and do a job for me there," because he knew. Their left back was quite small. You'll win the balls in the air, but even when you get it at your feet, you can have a go in him. You can have a run at him. And actually, a lot of the good play he does for us is down the left channel. He, he sort of mm. gets the ball in there, and Dennis gets into the middle. So his attitude seems to be spot on as well. He, you sometimes get these young kids coming in, they're not as. They just they do literally just see it as a stepping stone. They're not really fussed about being at the club. He's moved up to Carlisle, or lives nearby Carlisle. He seems to really be getting into it. And, he, and his attitude when he's playing is, is, is top class. He works so hard and. I, I think this season's going to be a bit of a learning curve for him, but I think if he does really well and next start next season, if he starts well, I could see him struggling to keep hold of him because I think there is something, like I said, there is something about him. Mm. I mean, Leeds didn't sign him as a 16-year-old for no reason, did they? So he, he must have something. So I'm hoping Simmer can get the best out of him. I'm hoping it'll be in League One that he does that. Have another shot at it. Anyone else we should be looking out for from your side of things? Oh, I think I mentioned most of the players, haven't we? Um thinking through the squad I, I mentioned John Mellish I mean he's played all over the pitch for us when he came in as a I think he was the young player of the year in the, in the National League from Gateshead came in as a centre-back didn't really play that much 
Chris Beach was going to get rid of him as a defender and then moved him to midfield. He scored 17 goals in a season in midfield. Then Beach obviously left. Millen actually briefly tried him as a striker because we were struggling for goals and strikers so much. He got a couple of goals while playing up front. And then Simmer came back in and said, you're a, le- you're a defender. You were the best defender in the National One of the best defenders in the National League when we signed you. Of course you're a defender. I'm putting you on the left side of a back three. And then what he does, it gives him a... F- because Huntington's so good and Guy can drop in and the right side of centre-back doesn't bomb forward as much. Mellish has got a licence to get up and down the left as much as mm. he wants almost. Similarly, that, you know, that underlapping centre-backs thing or the overlapping centre-backs that Chris mm. Wilder did a few years ago at Sheffield United, very, very similar to that. He he just gets up and down the pitch and he's got such an engine on him and he often drives us forward. And actually, because he's played in midfield before, Simmer can just push him into midfield if we're struggling to... to if we feel like we're getting dominated in midfield, he'll go, right, let's go back four and push John into midfield. Did that mm. against Salford in the second half the other week and we battered them in the second half and he, he was the big reason why he didn't score, but he was just an absolute nuisance. So he's a big part of it. Um, Jack Stretton, we got on loan from Derby. He's looked quite decent. He, again, another one who's been in and out a little bit of injuries, which is a bit frustrating. Um, and I think we obviously mentioned Jordan Gibson. I haven't not really touched on Jordan Gibson. Start of the season, he was amazing. He was having a really good season. He hadn't scored a goal yet though. And then he's had a few little discipline problems in terms of getting bookings, silly bookings. Mm. And he had a bit, of, he had to miss a game because of a suspension. And he's not really found his form again yet. So I'm kind of hoping he can pick that up soon, but mm. he's one who could play it, definitely play a high level if, if, if his attitude's right. And it generally has been for us to be fair. I think he had issues at, at Bradford when he was there, but for us, he's been really good. Um, so he's one. And, and yeah, I mean, Jamie Devitt, I'll mention, I'll bring, last one I'll mention is Jamie Devitt. And Jamie Devitt came in again in January. He's a player, you probably recognize his name because he's been around quite a few yeah, times. Yeah, I think we've been linked, linked with him a couple of times, yeah. He, he's a player who, his best football has been either with us or Morecambe, basically. He left us a few years ago, went to Blackpool, and then the manager got sacked him like a week later and he never played a first-team game for Blackpool. He was out on loan the whole time. I think Newport, um, it might have gone to Bradford again and then Barrow, where he went permanently. Then Barrow did basically decide to let him go in the January transfer window and we signed him up. He only played four games. I think he might have even pulled up injured in the game against you guys. He had a, like, the influence he has because he's so experienced now, he's amazing and he's so good on the ball. He's just coming back from injury now and we're trying to work out a way we can try and stop him getting injured as much and but still get the most out of him. So he might not start that many games, but he still comes on as a sub makes an impact and He's a real leader in the dressing room again. He's in his early 30s now. And what he does really well, and this, my mate pointed this out to me a while back, and I've, I've spotted it more and more when I watch him playing, he referees the game. If you watch him, he's constantly in the referee's ear. You need a player like that sometimes yeah. at our level. I think, you know, there's a few, I think there's a lad who was with you a few years back, John Joe. Uh, John Joe Till, yeah. John Joe Till, he was a really good one at that, getting yeah. in the referee's ear. Yeah, like Danny Rose, and, Danny Rose's and, yeah. Exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. Danny Hilton is with you guys now as well. He's yeah. another perfect example. They just get in the referees here and he's really good at that. And we've maybe missed that in a couple of games when he's been out injured, having him coming on and being able to do that. So mm. he's made a big impact. It's hard to pick weaknesses in the squad because they're generally, everyone who's come in has done a job this season. No one's really gone in and you thought, there's no point in having him in there. You might as well get rid of him. They've all come in and done a really good job. Yeah. Good stuff. Sounding so positive for you um, at the minute. So we'll come on to predictions based on that um, for Saturday. Hopefully we'll get the game going ahead. Um, what are you going for prediction-wise? We need to stop drawing games. <laughs> but it'll be tight because you guys are really good this season. You just 
you've not really been affected by that playoff uh, heartache or even promotion heartache going into mm. the last day. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win for us. Cool. Edmondson brace, obviously, for you guys. <laughs> it's definitely going <laughs> to score. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a draw. I don't think we've been we've been not very good at home the last couple of months. I only played three or four games there, but we seem to be a lot better away from home. I think you're going to come and really, really test us. I think it's going to be a really big, big, big challenge for us at the weekend. Um, again, had a couple of weeks off after having two weeks off before that as well. We looked a little bit rusty against Tramir after two weeks off, so we could look a little bit the same again, trying to find it hard, hard to get into a rhythm. So, yeah, I'm going to go one all. I think, for this one. Um, but yep. thank you so much for joining us, Lee. It's no problem at all. pleasure to chat to you. Um, again, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me. I'm just at Lee Rooney, or one word. Um, you can find the podcast on at Brunt and Bugle, on, on Twitter and Instagram on both. So yeah. Nice one. Cool. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, thanks, Cheers. everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with our look back on this one. We'll see you then. Podcast Network.